Welcome to the Station Tapes at 21 Soul. I'm your host, Lewis Marks, and I'm here at the old train station across the river from the great city of Philadelphia. Today on the show, we travel down to D.C. John Murph is a mainstay of the jazz writer's circuit. He's a respected music journalist whose work is found at Downbeat, NPR, The Atlantic, The Washington Post, and many more. He's been on the scene as jazz has evolved in the 21st century, and he's very familiar with the rope dope story. John's also a DJ and is working on a series of rope dope retrospective playlists found on Mixcloud. I wanted to get his view on where jazz is in 2019. Okay, we are here for another episode of The Station Tapes, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with music journalist and record collector John Murph on the line from Washington, D.C. John, how are you? I'm doing well, and you? I am well. I am well. You have written for, boy, all the publications, but for people who are listening uh, who, who don't already know your name, NPR, Downbeat, Jazz Times, Quest TV, and I even saw a, a very interesting article about uh, vinyl in Open Sky Jazz about crate digging, and I thought your answers mm-hmm. there were very interesting. I, I want to get a sense first. Uh, how, how did you how did you get to where you are? Where where are you from? DC? No, I'm originally from Mississippi. So um, I originally came to Washington D.C. Um, 30 years ago as an intern at the Smithsonian. The Smithsonian American History Museum had just acquired the Duke Ellington collection, and I applied for one of the more competitive internships. It was through the Minority Fellowships and Grants, and I got the uh, internship. Um, It kind of helped uh, shine a light of what I could do with my passion for music, I were I was attending Mississippi State University, and again, this is before social media. The whole idea of being involved in a professional capacity in something that I was very passionate about, like music, seemed very far-fetched. Um, New York was just seemed very far from Mississippi, and I didn't see too many models, you know. So I was very blessed to get that internship. I made some of my initial contacts, uh, like Ruben Jackson and John Hassey, uh, some people that I still consider mentors. And I returned after that summer, and I applied again because I knew that Washington, D.C. was a place in which I could connect the dots more and find my professional um, compass. Um, It was a situation that I possibly could have found in Mississippi, but um, I think I just needed to leave. It was like getting kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Can't go back. <laughs> mm-hmm. So music was always uh, the so thing. Music has always been the thing. Um, even as a kid, I have early pictures of me, I think as a toddler, about four or five years old, just uh, been enthralled with records. Um, I think my first, some of my first favorite records, I think it was based on color. My, purple was my favorite color. So anything was on Gordy or so Motown, anything with purple, uh-huh. <laughs> I collected. Uh, but also I had a very musical 
uh, soundtrack. Uh, everyone, there was music always around. Um, mm-hmm. And I had uh, my dad collected records. Uh, I had uncles collect records. And my parents were educators too. So it was just like this very um, abundant uh, level of info just was just there. And keep in mind, like, they weren't collectors in the everything's in a plastic case and all this. So I, my background was definitely not high-end Marcel and Huxable. I right. think uh, the records the records were all over the place like a family would collect jet magazines, you know, <laughs> just, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. accessible. Jazz was accessible in the same kind of manner. Um, my family didn't elevate jazz into high art. Like I heard Ramsey Lewis next to B.B. King, next to The Fifth Dimension, next to Millie Jackson, next to Jackson 5, next to mm-hmm. Herbie Hancock. And so that uh, really shaped how I listen to music and it continues to inform me. Like I'm, I get nervous when I get getting these conversations about high art or low art or when I've seen, I've heard and seen some of my colleagues when they get a certain degree of music knowledge as a listener or as a journalist or as a musician, feeling like they need to forego their, uh, the music they listen to. And I never felt that I need to do that. I never felt like I need to, um, be ashamed of listening to the Silvers <laughs> because I, you know, I'm now listening to Ornette Coleman. So that, that's interesting. And that lead, you know, I wanted to ask you about that. Cause you know, they used to call the, the term used to be music critic, right? Um, yeah. So there's in the, in the system, if you will, there's a, there's sort of an innate understanding that a person is ranking music as, as high art mm-hmm. or not art. Right. Uh, and yet, that, mm-hmm. that that's not what you picked up, is what you're saying, yes? I mean, you're just no. commenting on the the music that you're hearing and that you enjoy. No, I, I think there's varying degrees of quality. Um, you know, I, not everything is on equal footing. Um, uh, what I was getting at is trying to uh, rank per genre. Like, there's... there's a lot of things in jazz that really don't, you know, I don't find that great. Um, and that's my opinion, but I can say that about every other genre. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't, and I, it's, it's very seldom I have a genre that I heard, you know, and I can say I hate. You know, it might not be my cup of tea, but I don't hate it. <laughs> Does that right. make any sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, how in your professional career, you know, has has that difference in the way that you view it and the perspective that maybe a, a, a magazine or even pop popular culture views it, has that been a clash at any point? Were you- mm, not so much. I think you have to respect, at least for me, I have to respect the existing institutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, I participate in the downbeat critics poll or jazz science critics poll and 
those things existed long before me. And I don't, my writing is not that powerful, which I can come in and say, hey, you know, I don't want to do it that way. Like, I want to participate. That, you know, it's the nature of the beast. Um, mm-hmm. I do have, I'm always challenged when people ask me what is my favorite all the time. Like, there are some records that I totally go back to and continue to fascinate me. But usually, my favorite is whatever I'm listening to at that moment. And my criteria for like doing a list or a critics poll, um, or even when I have to review a record and assign like stars is, will I, I will give something a three and a half or four star review. If it's something that I will find myself listening to beyond the assignment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, I think there are, for me, there are various places in which um, kind of facilitate better listening. Like there's nothing like listening to music, new music, and trying it out on the road, like in the car. Um, I think one of the challenges that I have, and I can probably speak to other journalists, is right now there's so many, we get music and downloads and they're great you know, from a dj's perspective who is serato they're fantastic because it's nothing like having serato or a controller that saves your back literally instead of carrying vinyl and i've carried vinyl and my back you know right still, like, <laughs> right. still uh out of whack from that uh but the downside is for me is when you have a physical product, particularly an LP, um, like there's something very ritualistic about listening to an LP. Um, you have to flip it, you got to like take it out, you know, there's something about it. And it gives you a focal point, meaning that uh, you can, if uh, it's a record with lyrics, you know, you can like, listen to it. If it's something as fantastical as Wayne Shorter's Eminon, you know, you have this graphic novel and you can like listen to it. Um, Uh Parliament Funkadelic was like amazing at creating musical art that had this multimedia sensibility about it. You know, I think they were doing it before people started calling it multimedia. Right. Um, For me, when it comes to just the files, for me, the challenge is not multitasking in which I'm not really focusing on the music. You know, right. like, okay, I guess it's, you know, you get this record, especially albums that are sequenced in such a way in which the artist wants you to digest this in a certain sequence. You know, think right. about, say, Kate Bush's House of Love or Marvin Gaye's um, What's Going On. Like, Marvin Gaye's What's Going On is a totally different experience if you just heard it and you have the tracks and it's on shuffle it doesn't make sense right right and you can multitask i mean i think that regardless of whether the vinyl uh, art is phenomenal when you put on vinyl you're listening to music this is the activity that you're engaged in rather than uh an, an, an auxiliary or a, a, a ancillary activity is the word i wanted you know, it's like, uh, it's not background. It's you're actually doing this, you know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you have to like, okay, you have a vinyl and you're sitting in front of the record player and you just there. 
but for me, when I hear digest, I'm still challenged by I'm trying to like manage it. You know, I'm downloading, I'm on Facebook, I'm mm-hmm. on this, and you know, there's so many, you're just competing with so many things and you're right at the computer. Like if you have it, you have additional files and you're away and you're like on your sofa or whatever and you can totally digest it. But if I'm actively in front of the laptop or computer, I'm doing way too much. <laughs> there you go. I, I've noticed recently because, you know, obviously, you know, here at the record label, you know, we listen to albums in their entirety when they arrive. But I've noticed that when I put some tracks and create a playlist from a variety of the same albums that I've listened to start to finish, that I mm-hmm. notice certain tracks out of their original context and, and have, and have a greater appreciation sometimes for those mm-hmm. tracks. Mm-hmm. Is that, do you, do you shuffle music and, 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 and find new things to write? I, I do shuffle music when I ha- I put music on my, I have an iPod and I still use an iPod. I use the iPod more so than listening to music on the phone. Oh, so again, the phone, um, just a smartphone just encourages you to do way too much. But when I work out, I do listen to music and I love the whole idea of the surprise because sometimes, you know, you can, um, if you have no shuffle and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this amazing track and I'll write it down. Um, now from a DJ perspective, uh, I do that a lot to like pick certain tracks out. And again, it is one of those muscles, hearing muscles hmm. that you have to, um, you almost have to train. You have to train your ear to, okay, I don't know what this is, and it's an intro. Let me see what that is instead of like this very reflexive, I don't know what this is, and go to the next track to something that may be your more favorite. Right. Um, you, have to learn, you have to learn how to listen in that capacity. Another, uh, another advantage um, or method that I use is, is nothing like being a DJ or hanging out with DJs and DJs have a way of uh, selecting great tracks that you may have overlooked or Mm -hmm. um, just never heard. And they can put it in a context that makes sense. Like some songs, you know, Oh, I don't know what, no, I don't know what to do, but you have a great DJ and they play it. And it's great. Um, speaking towards the whole DJ thing, it's nothing like having a fellow DJ come in to your record collection and create dig. And it's almost like create digging your own record mm-hmm, collection. Mm-hmm. Like and see what they you have up. some. Yeah. yeah, you have something that you might have goals you don't know, and your your DJ friend or just like a music friend come in. Oh, here's this track, and all of a sudden, it's like, wow, I didn't know I had that. Um, you know, sometimes you, we as collectors, we can get so caught up in collecting that we forget to actually listen to what, to listen to our own collection. <laughs> right, right. I, I, I'm constantly challenged. Um, I don't know if I really have a record collection uh, that that gets much uh, that gets much attention because my job is listening to music, which is another thing I'm sure that you have to balance. You know, where do you find the mm-hmm. time to? listen to the music that you choose to rather than the music that you're assigned to. Exactly. Exactly. Well, so I, I find this really fascinating because, um, 
and, and vinyl is having a resurgence. And it's my hope that the things you're saying about how much attention that you spend uh, on music is something that more and more people can return to or discover, if you will, in, mm -hmm. here in 2019 uh, as an activity, as, as, a, as an incredibly fulfilling activity. I wanted to ask you, though, where, where do you think we're going with this role? You know, you're, you're effectively a curator in, a, in an era where we're, we're faced with algorithmic curation, right? Where, where okay. do you think this goes? Uh, you know, do you see it as a dying thing or, or, or downtrend and uptrend? What, do, what are your thoughts on that? I think it goes back and forth. I think this is always a blowback. Um, I think um, as the music industry continues to advance in a digital capacity, I think there is always going to be a blowback to going back to more analog. Um, yeah. I think you're seeing a lot of younger people who never grew up on vinyl uh, go to record stores. Um, you know, and the whole idea of a record store, the brick and mortar, you know, you know, beyond it just being a retail space, that was a cultural space too. You can, yes. I, I often, I often compare record stores to like barbershops. You know, there's so much mm -hmm. intel, and you know, there's a whole hang, um, there's a whole aesthetic, there's a smell, there's a feel, there's you know, there's so many different things. I think. If you look at that as a cultural thing, and you're seeing a lot of culture, you're just seeing a lot of culture surrounded by vinyl. Um, I'm going to parties. Now people are now going back to like vinyl only parties, and mm -hmm. um, it's making the whole art more tactile. And it's a visual component too. You know, for instance, you know, you go to someone, uh, record collection or something like that you know you get someone to see because it's a focal point like there's you know i'm quite sure all of us if you think about the romance side of music collecting so oh my god i went to this person's house and had this beautiful record collection and then yeah pull out something that you found in japan or something like that you know mp3s you don't get that you know you, Never heard anyone say, I went all the way to Japan to get this MP3. When have you heard that? Never. <laughs> I want to go to somebody's hat. Next time, I, next time I visit a friend, I'm going to say, can I, can I look through your iTunes? Can I look through your... There are people iTunes? who date that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, almost never happens. Wow. Yeah, but th that said, I think there are some young people who do date like that. Like, oh, they compare each other's iTunes, you know, kind of match up. So. Well, I, I, you know, as long as people are engaged, I think music is, is you know, so rewarding. Um, and it is challenging uh, here from the record label side to, you know, get people's attention. But it is fulfilling. I, I wonder, this is a kind of a random question, but when you're reviewing an album uh, or interviewing an artist, are, is it in your head what this means? to the artist, you know, uh, as far as, you know, how, how it affects their career? And... Um, most of, yes, it does. It does. Like, I, I never want to have an adversarial relationship with an artist, mm -hmm. meaning that I, whenever I write 
an article, um, a feature story. I definitely want that artist, the artistry to come out as well as the person. Mm-hmm. And when I do feature stories, I'm, I try to lean on the classics to make an engaging story. I try to make an engaging story, first of all. And when I lean on the classics, I do go back to man versus man, man versus self, man versus nature, man mm. versus something else. And I think people can hook and get into that story. And you can talk about the art, but you also want that story to be engaging. And I do want a I want the artist to be not necessarily proud or be very okay with what I've written. Um, um, I've you know, made my mistakes in the past. I think everyone has made their mistakes in the past. I think um, as a younger person, you know, who had written for alternative weeklies, there was this snark thing. You know, I think snark is a, it can be a very young thing. Mm-hmm. You know, um, mm-hmm. But as you get older, at least as, as I've gotten older and, you know, gotten to know musicians as people, I try to be a bit more, okay, careful, mindful of certain things, um, as well as being true, true as well. Like mindful doesn't mean everyone gets five stars when doing a review. Right. But you can, you can give, you can give something a two star review without, you know, just, try to stop someone's career. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> right. It's interesting. And do you, do you think it has as much power as it, as it used to? In other words, uh, mm, yes and no. I don't know. Um, I don't think so. Um, I think it's very seldom that I know the immediate impact of what I've written. Mm-hmm. Unless I did something incredibly wrong. <laughs> But (laughs) but you never know. Um, There are certain things in which I've written that you know um, has followed me, both good and bad. Um, So you you don't know. Um, We don't know. You don't know until uh, after the after the fact. Yeah. Yeah. No, you you don't know. You don't know. Like there's some things which I've written up the house very, very proud of and you know hear nothing about. And there's some things in which, you know, I was up against a deadline and just try to make it as decent as possible that wow people. Um I think mm-hmm. for me I try to be a clear writer. Um you know, get the narrative down. Um I think one of the things I'm doing now is I'm trying to step back a bit and get back to writing things I really want to write about. Um, I just submitted an article in Jazz Times that's going to be coming out in the May issue on jazz and wellness, you know, how musicians take care of themselves from a physical, meaning, you know, exercise, diet, and uh, sleep, uh, mental and emotional level. You know, those stories, you know something like that. So I'm trying to step back and get more into those type of stories. Um, I think sometimes now with the influx of music constantly coming down and feeling almost this this challenge of digesting so much music at one time, Mm -hmm. it's 
challenging for me to really dwell into something. So I'm trying to like ease back with like, okay, um, first is David Sanchez, upcoming CEO of Robert, you know, mm-hmm. spending time with, spending time with it where I can actually tell that story. You know, that's just me. Like I'm, I'm quite sure there's some people who can listen, you know, new music all the time and tell it very quickly. Um, I think that's not where I am right now. Yeah, well, I mean, I respect that. And I, I think that that's the real story, you know, I, I, I think. And that's what sets it outside of the marketplace in a way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it'd be, it's easy in one dimensional to look at this as, you know, I'm writing this review because it's all about selling. It's all about this product. But I think what mm-hmm. I'm hearing you saying is it's really about that you can't separate the, the, the album from the artist. It's not just a product. There's an entire story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that matters. Mm-hmm. That's correct. That mm-hmm. is correct. That's correct. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to that article and 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 you know just props for 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 that. I I would love to see more of that in 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 journalism in general because I have noted just in the time that I'm here working with these artists that there are just incredible stories of processing struggle and challenges into beautiful art in, in whichever way they are inspired, you know? Um, and that's, that's an amazing thing in these challenging times. Um, I think we're, we're close to out of time, but I get uh, the last thing I'd, I'd like to know is, you know, where, you know, how do you feel about where things are in, in the music economy and in journalism in general? Are you optimistic? Uh, where do you see things going? Well, uh, I think it is challenging. I think one of the challenges is the gig economy meaning that um, you do have to be more entrepreneurial from a journalist standpoint, meaning that, yeah, you might have to be the bad guy who badger the accountant department, like, where's my money? Right. Um, and you have, to be all, you have to be comfortable with that because what you do is work. I'm quite sure a lot of musicians are, are like that as well. Um, you know, it will be great to have, like, a whole workshop on journalism and entrepreneurship like yes. how do you get how do you get the you know getting paid on a regular basis it helps you become a better journalist because you know it's less anxiety and <laughs> you start you stop hating i think after a while you're going to start hating it and we start we bring more hate and love to the table because of frustrations like that like you can't take care of yourself i think that's yep. when it becomes very dangerous um, in terms of the music industry, um, it's still trying to find itself in the digital world and yeah. all the different consolidations. Um, I think it would be nice to have more A&R people who, you know, such as yourself, who I definitely can hear, you know, good, passionate people, you no know, people who love the music, mm-hmm. um, the, the craft itself, um, I think it's really easy to romanticize the past. Um, you know, we all, everything is you known more beautiful right. in hindsight. Everything is more doper after it's happened. Uh, right. Before, right. You know, than we're, uh, that said, I don't want to. I don't want to be in. I don't want to become that guy who the glory days are always behind me. It's not fun. You know, you're not, you're not the fun person to be around with in which, you know, if you listen to, well, back in the day, it was something like, yeah, right. I don't want that to seep 
in my writing to the point where I can't appreciate the present. I'm I'm with you, and it's and it's a constant day to day sort of meditation, both and 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 a day to day exercise to be an entrepreneur, and and then have have you know the time and resources and and peace of mind to to uh, you know to do the job well. Yeah, uh, yeah. But, uh, um, hope hope yeah. springs eternal. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for spending time, uh, and I hope that we can uh, get together soon. That'd be great. All right. Be all right. Bye-bye. Thank you all for tuning in to the station tapes. If you like what we do, please subscribe on Mixcloud at 21 Soul. You can also find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Google, and wherever else pods are cast. Our video interview series is available on YouTube at Ropadope99, and you can find out more about the artists we speak with at ropadope.com. Thanks to the 21 Soul team. Nick Perry and Steven Jaszewski on production, Larry Yetman on video, and the great Fabian Brown on the creativity and positive energy tip. Our theme song is from Red Hook Soul by saxophonist Michael Blake. You can find out more about Michael Blake at michaelblake.bandcamp.com or on your favorite streaming service. Finally, thanks to all of you who keep the flame burning for independent quality music. To the musicians who pour their creativity into the world, and to those of you who are taking the time to listen, we hope you enjoy the show.